and they can start the party at Scotland. That's a brilliant goal from Gary Jones. And Henderson, oh, what a goal! Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. My name is Dean and I'm joined as always by Ryan, Luke and Chaff. How are we boys? Good, thank you. thank you mate. Good stuff. Thank you. And we've also got a very special guest on the line with us once again this week. Uh, it's a great pleasure to welcome Adam LaFondra to the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. Adam, thanks for taking your time to talk to us tonight. Oh, uh, you're right, guys. It's my pleasure to for coming on and, uh, and obviously talking about my time at Rochdale. Hopefully, we won't uh, keep you from the golf for too long, mate. Um, so we'll start with. Right. <laughs> so we'll start with when you first joined the club. Uh, your initial loan spell from Stockport. How did that come about? Uh, obviously, you, you came through the, the youth system at Stockport. You scored a few goals for them. It came as a bit of a surprise to us uh, when we saw you come in on loan. So, how did that move come about? Yeah, well, that, the season I joined, I, I'd started the the season as the nine for Stockport. Me and Glenn Murray, I think it was, were like the, the two up front. And uh, I started really well. I scored like six or seven goals early on. Um, and then, funny enough, I got injured at, Spot, uh, at Spotland. Um, Stano did me on the halfway line. And, and um, I came off that game on a stretcher. And uh, to be fair, I thought I broke my ankle at the time. But I, I he ended up being like really bad ligament damage and... And by the time I, I got myself fit around Christmas time, there was no place for me in Stockport's team. So they were doing really well. I couldn't get in the team. And I just wanted to play football. And, um, and at that time, I think uh, Parking was the gaffer at the time. Parking was the gaffer just before. And they wanted to take me then. And I said, oh, I want to stay and try and play. And then, like, I think maybe three or four weeks later, he'd gone and Hilly had got the job. And... Obviously, I hadn't played again for another three or four weeks, and I was like, "Oh, what looks to this? I want to go play." Like I'd been playing all season at the start. Obviously, I was unfortunate with an injury, but you know, I wanted to carry on playing. So, um, spoke to Hilly, and then you know, met up with them and uh, signed. Really, just you know, sort of just come on loan and and just wanted to play. You know, the 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 chance of me playing first team football was too uh, too good to refuse. Really. Uh, and you know it sort of set the tone for me really when I joined there. Yeah, well, someone actually asked on the forum if Nathan Stanton was on your Christmas card list. I didn't realise what that was in reference to. Yeah, you know, funny enough, I was actually really close with Stanton as well uh, when I joined. But um, yeah, it was a bit of a naughty tackle on the halfway line in the end. Uh, well, you know, then things happen in football. It's, I guess it's fate, really. Do you know what I mean? Uh, uh, it's just one of them things happens in football. I, th- I think he's the only defender who's ever caught me. So, uh... <laughs> so what do you remember about your debut? Obviously, it, it couldn't have gone much better, could it? With two goals and a five 0 win over over MK Dons. Yeah, obviously the game against MK. Uh, I think I got the game on DVD after the get as well uh, from my parents. Yeah, it was incredible. You know, obviously um, when you go to a new club, you want to you know sort of bed yourself in straight away and. Um, you know, and get get in with the lads and get in with the fans as well. And obviously, I endeared myself with my scoring too on the on on my debut. Obviously, I think that the last goal we score, I think, is it Kelvin a two who breaks and I'm, I'm screaming for a cutback for the for a hat trick. But 
obviously goes and scores himself. But um, you know, I was just, I was just delighted to play football. I was just buzzing to get back playing, uh, uh, and I, that sort of gave me extra confidence because I was fully vindicated by joining Rochdale and, and you know having confidence in myself to go and play and prove I can score at this level. And you know, it was thanks to Hilly really for, for giving me extra confidence as well because. Um, he really, him and Flickers really, really um, put my ego, you know, like proper massage my ego. As a, as a young lad, uh, they said everything that made me, you know, look there. I loved training, loved, loved playing, loved everything about my spell alone. And, you know, ultimately that's re- the reason why I came back is because of how successful that was. Yeah, a, f- a few uh, a few of our listeners have asked questions about, about playing under Hilly and and what it was like, because obviously the team was improving rapidly and you were a big part of that, even during that loan spell. What was it like around the club at that time? Because the atmosphere within the fans was amazing and it must have been incredible to be a part of that team that was that had been struggling for so long and all of a sudden was starting to win games like that, like that Milton Keynes won 5-0. It was just fun. It was just a lot of fun playing football. Um... And obviously, when I, when I went back to Stockport, um, I nearly came back about a month later because I came back and the, the guy from Stockport at the time, they, they went on the, the game, the nine-game run where they didn't concede. And I, to be fair, I didn't want to come back. I wanted to carry on playing and, and carry on playing and scoring goals. But they just got beat, so he called me back the day later. And I played one game at home, played 45 minutes, scored and set one up, but brought off at half-time. And then played on the Tuesday in the uh, Bristol Rovers away. And he rang me up on the Wednesday and went, you can go out on loan again if you want. Um, Wrexham won you. And I was like, well, I don't really fancy Wrexham. Like, I've just had a great spell at Rochdale. Like, I want to go back there. And he was like, oh, all right, go back Rochdale then. So I rang Hilly up straight away. He was like, Hilly, look, I can come back. Um, what do you think? And obviously, like, Illy was dead excited. Flickers in the background, screaming and shouting, "Yeah, come back!" Uh, and all this. So, like on the low deadline day, I'm like, I'm driving, I'm set off, pick, cleared my locker out and stole well, not the locker, like the peg in my boots. I'm driving, just got on the M60 to come to to sign for Rochdale again, and I get a phone call from the gaffer at Stockport. Come back, someone's just got injured. Bearing in mind, this is like half nine at training. I was like, oh, someone got injured. We're having breakfast. Well, I've come back in and uh, I've seen like the strikers. They've had a proud lock, Anthony Eldin, Tess Bramble, and I've gone. Any of you's injured? And they're like, no. I was like, right. So why Malone just been stopped then? So I've gone in to see the gaffer, and he's gone. Oh yeah, we need you as cover now. I was like, why though? You just told me go out alone. He's like, yeah, but we need you as cover now. So I was like, so I'm pretty much not going to play them for the rest of the season. He's like. No, no, you still have a chance, but so then that that sort of set my mind that that's the end of me at Stockport. I needed to move, and um, it didn't help. Like, well, it did. It, it did probably didn't help my career at Stockport, but helped uh, me going to Rochdale. Like Hilly and Flickers rang me probably every three or four days, saying we like they kept calling themselves Mum and Dad to me and saying come home, son. <laughs> they were sending me. They send me my shirts with like a with like a big love letter saying oh, how much they love me and how they want me to come home and stuff like that. So you can imagine like a 19-year-old me, I was like, I'm not going anywhere other than to Rochdale. Like, I wouldn't entertain anyone. I wanted to go and play for Alien Flickers again. Um, and then when I joined in, in that summer, um, 
obviously it changed a little bit because Illy was the full-time gaffer then, he weren't the, the, the caretaker. So my sort of jovial side when I first come in on loan, I got away with a lot more things than, than when I first come in. Uh, the second time I come in and um, Hilly soon stamped his authority a little bit over me and stopped me joking around as much. Uh, but obviously, which, which happens anyway, and I totally understood that. Um, but yeah, I loved it. The, you know, we had a great bunch of lads. Um, we're all young. Uh, we all were all young and hungry and excited to play. You know, good football. That's what we were. We were a good footballing team, and you know, we could see where we were going to go with that as well, which was you know exciting to be part of. And obviously, we had good experience around us. You know, we had Jonah centre mid. We had Perks when we signed him as well. You know, we had we had real good experience with us. You still you still keep in touch with any of those lads, aren't they? Uh, well, funny enough, TK messaged me today about my pension. So, yeah, speak to. I met when I come back from Australia. I met up with JT. Um, had a coffee with him, and you know, it's, it's nice seeing the boys. I spoke to Higgy as well. Um, Higgy was out, obviously, out in India too. Um, I spoke to him not long ago on Instagram. So, yeah, I speak to you know a few of them now and then. It's you know, it's nice speaking to them because we had a great, we had a really great team. Um, you know, we had great times, you know, two playoff runs, uh, obviously the season after I left, we got promoted, but, you know, it was it was always in the pipeline that success was coming. After your loan spell had finished at Rochdale and you went back to Stockport, there was that infamous 7-2 where yeah. you came on as a sub and our crowd, the away end, were all chanting, we want our Alfie back. Were you aware of sort of how much of an impact or how much of a, how loved really you were by the Rochdale supporters just based on your loan spell and did that game have any sort of impact on your thinking about getting out of Stockport at any time? Well, just to be fair, the way my whole loan situation ended and was handled I mean, coming back, that sort of already set my mind that I was going to Rochdale. Like, there was pretty much no way I was going to anyone other than Rochdale in that summer um, the game I tried to forget it to be fair I remember coming on I think it came on like in the tent and like all the boys are laughing at me and that because obviously I've, I was playing with them two or three weeks ago and they're spanking me all over the pitch like it was just it was an hard one to take really um, you know you, you've you've sort of got a close bond with the Rochdale boys but obviously I'm, you know I'm paid and contracted by Stockport to come and, and play for them and um, we were getting like our arse handed to us at home by our closest rivals, really, as well. So you know, it weren't an enjoyable day for me, definitely not. Uh, you know, when, when all the boys, like, even runs scored two, I think. So, you know, and he's laughing in my face. I was like, oh, great. Cheers to this, fellas. Like, you know, it's just one of them, really, isn't it? I just want to touch on that sort of spell with Hilly when he was early on in his, his managerial career. and obviously had Flicker who I think was still signed on as a player as well as being an assistant manager and you had obviously Gary Jones as well um, what was that dynamic like between having there was a lot of young players you, Higgy, Joey T but then you had that blend of, of the Joneses and the young managers I guess sort of, what was the dressing room like what was Gary Jones like I guess within that, within that dressing room he's a very much a steady influence I think you, as you'd expect Jones to be you know, he was an experienced pro being it, being there, seeing it all, and you know, it was a real calming influence on the squad. I think uh, you know we had a, we had a very good group of lads. Uh, we all went out together. You know, like it was a real close bond. It was you know, 
sidetracking on a night out you know there's 15 of us there there's Illy and Flicker there on a night out like enjoying it with us you know like we had that sort of you know close bond like and you know I don't, I don't think it'd be our turn saying that we were so close it was like a sort of a band of brothers um, and to be fair when I left I was actually really upset it's one of the few times I've actually like shed a tear over leaving because I was leaving my like my family behind it felt like um, you know obviously I'm only going to Rotherham an hour away but I was like leaving boys who have, you know, we would die for, you know what I mean? We had that sort of bond where we've, we went to the playoff final, we went to the semi in the, in the playoffs against Gillingham and we had such a good group. Um, you know, it was sort of heartbreaking for me to, to sort of leave that because I knew success was going to come and I would have loved to have shared it with them. But I knew, you know, ultimately it, it had to end for me because I just felt like I needed to be, you know, cemented first choice striker. We will touch on that um, period just after leaving the club and, and obviously the circumstances like involving the move to Rotherham in a little bit. But uh, just a couple more questions from, from the listeners. Uh, Apple asks, what's your favourite Keith Hill story? We've had a few from Joey T on a few other podcasts that have been interesting, shall we say? To be fair, most of the interesting ones, I don't... He's, I think you probably hear him because he says them in the, in the press anyway. Like, <laughs> it was, I think... There was one time, obviously, the, the funny ones about the soft porn, you know, like, there's no action in the box. I used to love that sort of stuff when he say that sort of stuff. It's so funny, like. And then there was one, we played, I don't know, it's, it's 10 years or 12 years ago now. We played Aki on uh, New Year's Day, or just after New Year's Day, and we were crap, but we won like 3-0. But we were terrible. And he's gone around the, gone around the change room after the game. And he's gone, who was out? gone through every player who was out and everyone's like admitting it and that and he's gone mental the worst I've ever seen him and he ran the life out was the day after it he's like don't ever play like that ever again I don't care if we won obviously swearing a lot more than that as you can imagine but he was going absolutely ballistic and then like we were like but but we won though. He's like, no, you can't have it like that. You you got unprofessional and all this. You get your big time Charlies and all this stuff. It's hilarious. It's funny looking back, but at the time, obviously, it's irresponsible. But, um, you know, we, we got away with it, but he, he was funny, man. He was so funny. Some of the stuff he'd come out with was hilarious. To be fair, some of the stuff he said stuck with me and resonated with me throughout my career because he'd always say stuff like, what do waiters do in training? And everyone would be like, what are you going on about waiters? It's like, what do waiters do? Don't, like, if you're waiting for a ball. It's like, what do waiters do, lads? I'm like, don't know what's going on here. And I, obviously, JT had been with him in the youth team. And he's gone, they work at restaurants, gaffer. He's <laughs> <laughs> all right. He's like, yeah, you're going to work in an effing restaurant then, don't you? If you want to be a waiter, restaurant. So we're all like, I can't get training. I'm not laughing. I mean, serious. Well, like that, that sort of thing sort of sort of stuck with me. That it's like, you know, like time waits for no one. You can't wait to improve. You can't wait for anything. You have to go and take it. You have to, you know, grab the ball by the arms and you know, be on the front foot and be assertive with yourself. And that, you know, that really did stick, like stick me throughout my career. And that sort of saying, I even I've used that saying to people um, about time waits for no one, and you know, people always pass you by and stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, I, I, 
I'm really grateful for, for Hilly and, and Flickers in my, in my grounding of my career because I think I attribute them a lot to the success I've had further on in my career as well. A lot of a lot of players have spoke about sort of that atmosphere that was around the club at the time, and obviously as we as fans we could feel that as well. It was it was so evident that the club was going in the right direction, and everyone was sort of on board with this with this new sort of Rochdale. But what about sort of tactically? And and he he was known to be sort of quite innovative for a League Two club. What was so different about him at that stage to to other lower league managers, in your opinion? I think he obviously wanted to play football. Um, you know, at that time it was big man, little man, boom it long, let's chase. Whereas we were a bit more front foot pressing, and you know, we tried to play. We actually tried to play, you know, through the sixes, get the ball wide. We had really attacking fullbacks, Rammers and TK, who put deliveries in all day. So I think we were, you know, against the norm with that. We didn't really rely too much on a target man, especially in the first season, anyway. Obviously, Rene came in, um, was sort of our target man, but me and Dagger still played quite a bit. Um, and in the second season, you know, we, we had Thorpe as well. Oh, oh, sorry, that's the way around, I think. Oh, oh no, it's not, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Rene was first season. Second season, he weren't. He was at Morecambe. Sorry, I'm right here. Yeah. It was Thorpe second season because he got injured. Um, yeah, so, like I say, we didn't really tend to rely on the big man. We, we sort of relied on playing and and you know, getting wide, getting runs in, in great positions to cross, getting TK in great positions to cross, and you know, we'd have Jonah arriving late, so we were quite cavalier in that aspect. Whereas you know, I think quite a lot of teams in our division were, uh, you know, very direct at that point. I think that oh eight or nine season was the squad was a joke basically, um, and I was wondering. So sort of, we were so close, and we obviously got beat by Gillingham in the end in the away leg. Um, what do you think was? What do you think stopped us from making that next step and, and getting promoted that season? Because the squad was very close, if not better than the one after. I thought. Yeah, we had a really strong squad. It's hard, really. It's so hard because obviously the home we played him three games in a row, didn't we? The last game of the season, yeah. we played him in like a dead rubber, and we all rested. And Flickers played, and then we played him at home, drew nil nil. There wasn't really much in the game, and then. The game down there, it was. There weren't much in it again, really. Just obviously, Simeon Jackson was, you know, very good that that day. We just didn't obviously take our chances and, and create. If I remember right, we didn't really create too much that day either. You know, you get them games. It's just unfortunate for us. We were quite free, free flowing and free scoring throughout that season. That that happened to be the two playoff games where they shut us down really well, um, and you know, to our detriment. That was sort of it for us. We, well, like you say, we had a really good squad. Even the, the, the year before that, when we got to play a final, we had a good squad. And, you know, the club did well to keep it all together. We keep the squad together for the two years. But um, ultimately, you know, we've, we just sort of, I don't know. I, don't, I won't say we come unstuck either because, you know, Gillingham were a decent team as well. So it weren't as if they were like paupers or anything like that. They were a decent team and, and had threats of their own. It's just, you know, ultimately we didn't, we didn't get the breakthrough. I remember those two centre halves who played for Gillingham being probably the best centre half pair in in the low leagues at the time as well. Yeah, I think it was Gary Richards was one of them, big monster. They had, obviously, a lot of the time it was monsters at the back in in League Two. Uh, I think you know we were the only one with Stano who was small. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, he's like five eleven, six foot, and jumps about ten foot. He sort of made up for it with that. Uh, 
yeah, they, they, they tend to the archetype of, of a defender 10, 12 years ago in, in League Two was a monster, you know, like a doorman who just ragdoll. You know, if, if it's close quarters, he ragdoll me around, and that's why we had to use, you know, a battering ram now and then for the for the unsophisticated games and um, and obviously the, the 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 smaller players for for the ones where we could try and play a little bit more. Just just on that, did you find it easier moving up the leagues in a sense then? If it was if defenders were maybe slightly less physical the higher you went up or or is it that you preferred playing against those sort of players anyway? To be fair, my biggest jump was from League Two to the, the Championship. I found the Championship to the Premiership easier than League Two to Championship just because of the, the physicality and the fitness that's demanded of you to play at that league to go Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday um, with the quality and obviously the physicality on top of that um, you know, I found the, the jump up quite tough to, to start with, to be fair, if I'm honest. Um, I didn't probably didn't fully get to grips with it until probably late on in the season. And by that time, I was fully engraved in my role on the bench coming off and, you know, impacting the game that way. Uh, so for me, I, I found that. I, I actually enjoyed playing in League 2 because I know it sounds really big-headed, but I just thought I was going to score every week. Uh, I just thought I'm going to get a chance I'm going to score. Like, even when I went to Rotherham, it sort of became inevitable that, I was going to get a chance and I was going to score. I was going to score at least one. Um, and I, I didn't really find many defenders that, that stopped me. I think, obviously, they felt like they had to be physical with me. And phys- being physical with me as a player never really did anything for me. I, just, I found it funny. I just started laughing at them and called them idiots. Like, that's a stupid foul, isn't it, mate? Why have you picked up a yellow? Stupid. And they'd be like, well, I've just rattled you. And I'm like, yeah, keep doing it. You not like I wouldn't look, I wouldn't get myself in a position where, apart from when Stano caught me, I wouldn't get caught. I'd often see the challenge before it come and jump and roll around, cry on the floor, pretend to hurt, and when the yellow card did stand up and jump up. Like for me, that was sort of how I played them, and um, I always felt I would I'd do well against big centre halves because I always thought I'd use my my numbness and my craft to to earn that uh, extra half yard, which inevitably I got as well. Um, for me as a player, that's what sort of my game's been, you know, built around. It hasn't been built around, you know, blistering pace or anything like that. It's been built around five yard bursts and using my brain to to anticipate and you know create half yards for myself. And you know, for me, I've been quite lucky that um, you know I haven't got pace to lose. Obviously, I'm I'm quick, but I'm not you know Theo Walcott, uh, rapid running away from people. I know I can get away from people when I need to, but. It's often been, you know, my timing of my runs, my anticipation, and and you know, my brain really that's created the chances for me. Did you, did you have to kind of adapt your game a little bit as you as you went through the leagues, or or was it just a case of getting more experience? Because from afar, watching match of the day and whatnot, and seeing the goals that you got for Reading, a lot of them were very similar to the goals that you were scoring week in week out for the likes of us and, and Rotherham and whatnot. Um, so was it just a case of Picking up the experience, or did you change anything fundamentally? No, yeah, like I say, it's just just experience, you know, uh, putting myself in the positions routinely, players knowing me what, where I am, getting and getting in them positions. Uh, I think if you spoke to Hilly and Flickers, they used to have to drag me off the training ground as a as a kid, uh, and I've always been like that. I'm, I'm always one of the last players to leave the training uh, the, the training ground because I want to improve, want to uh, want to get better, I want to. Hone on my craft, and like you say, the, the hardest thing for me, like I said before, was, was probably the fitness. You know, going from League Two and the physicality, I had to get stronger as a player. 
Um, and I probably did that more more than anything was, you know, um, I got personal training sessions outside of football in the in the, in the first part of the season. Um, at Reading, obviously, they put me on a program, etc. But I knew I needed to do that quicker, and um, it's something I've always done is to, to help myself, give myself the best advantages, is to have you know extra training to to improve yourself. Like I said before, you know, like when Hilly says about you know you have to you have to keep moving with things, and that's always what I've always done. I've always looked to try and improve my game. I've watched players, uh, what I like from players, you know, even players. In, Championship League Two or League whatever game I'm watching, I look to see if you know what they do. That's good for them. Can I use it for me? Like I've always watched Aguero, even though he plays for City, and I, I, I don't I dislike City. I love him. I love his movement. I love everything he does. Um, since he's come to Prem, he's probably the, the striker I've watched the most, um, and try to you know pick things from him and, and look at how he creates yards for himself in the in the game. You know, like one thing I picked from him was. He'd very seldom run, make a forward run. He, if he wanted the ball to feet, he'd just sort of run two yards and the defenders would be that scared of him running in behind. They'd drop five and he'd stand still, get it, turn, and he'd, he'd run at him. And that's something I'd, I try to, to, to bring into my game. And um, it's, I've always tried to do that, pick things from players. Uh, so I've never really like said, oh, I've had to do this to improve, but I've always sort of, you know, I've always known finishing's been one of my strongest points, so I've always you know, perfected that. I've always spent 15, 20 minutes working on finishing, trying to improve you know, different angles of finishing. Uh, Flickers was was probably one of the best coaches for, for finishing drills as well. Uh, he got into arguments with Hilly, with me on the, on, the, on the training ground, because we were still on the pitch half an hour later, and he's like, I want to go home. Like, I want to have my dinner. I want to do this. And me and Flickers are like, we're still doing finishing and stuff like that and that's we had sort of an infectious work rate and you know there was five or six of us doing that and that's something that's stuck with me all the way up now even now like obviously in in India I'm still the same I'm getting dragged off the training ground uh, and because I want to improve I want to get better I want to you know keep playing the game as long as I can because I think I've got a lot of goals to score left You've touched on a couple of the players that you you played alongside at Dale. Um, who who is your favourite to play alongside? Obviously, there was the likes of of, of Rennie Howard, uh, uh, Chris Dagnall, Glenn Murray, uh, and, and Streety asks, were you and Dagnall too similar to play together? Do you think at times? Um, I think yeah. I think obviously we tried to play football when me and Dagnall played up top, but I think uh, you know a lot of the times. They sort of made the pitch too compact for us, and 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 tried to be over physical with both of us. So I think that's why we never really, you know, flourished as a as a front two. Um, I, I was sort of almost better with Muzza really. Um, I had a good partnership with him at Stockport, and then he got bought to Rochdale. Then obviously I come on loan, and he was there. No, was he there? Then? Yeah, he would he would have been. Yeah, I think he signed that January. Uh... <laughs> He left, didn't he, the following January? Because I always tell him I got his move, got him his move. <laughs> I remember we played Mac away, and he he moved after that. Um, yeah, I used to. I had a great relationship with Muzzer. I still speak to Muzzer as well, to be fair. And uh, I, I love playing up front with him, and I had a really good relationship with Rene as well. Uh, we we had a good partnership too. Uh, but yeah, I think obviously on the grand scheme of things, especially in in League Two. It was a struggle to play me and Daggers up top together, and 
Um, I think teams often try to bully us that way. And, you know, a lot of the times probably was, were successful because we were quite young then. Um, we didn't really have the experience and, you know, the strength and know-how how to, you know, use our body, use our, you know, our wiles better than if we were 27, 28. I think if we were 27, 28, we'd have no problem. And we'd probably score 25 each. But, you know, at that time, point in our career, we were still wet behind the ears and we still probably needed a little bit of guidance up there. Uh, and a little bit of brute force, probably really. Um, D. Alien and a few others have asked what your uh, what was your most memorable goal for Dale and why. Um, we, we, we there was also a, a few questions about the fact that you scored you scored quite a lot of last minute winners and and I sort of wondered if that was something that sort of played into the way you played, like trying to stay calm in front of goal and, and knowing those chances will come, or if it was a case of maybe the ball just falling to you as we were looking for. For uh, that killer instinct towards the end of games, I think I think it's both really. Um, you know, I was quite lucky as a striker. I think you know, luck does play a part in, in any player's career, and you know, I was quite lucky to put myself in them positions and the ball to, to fall to me. You know, it's lucky, but you have to be calm and collected to, to take them chances. Uh, but obviously, luck does play a part in, in getting chances. You know, obviously, especially in League Two, where. Uh, you know, things ricochet off people's backsides and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm sort of Johnny on the spot tapping it in in the last minute. Um, um, it was always it was always sort of nice to get them goals. And I scored a lot of them at Rotherham, really, as well. Uh, a lot of them sort of goals. To be, fa- to be fair, my favourite goal for, for Dale, I love the one at Gillingham away when I cut in um, and just clip it over the keeper into the top corner. Um, I love that one. And for, like, a, for a striker goal, uh, meaning-wise, I... I and it's not really a goal in a game, but I love my penna score in the, in the in that Darlow game. I know, I know. Obviously, it's not even a, a main. It's not Murad's penna, but it's still like the atmosphere of that game was was like unbelievable. Uh, and it's my sort of first taste of of proper success as well. So uh, it was amazing. Uh, and like I was sort of calmed me as well. You know, I sort of smashed it, and then Murad smashes it, and then we're all going flying around the pitch. Um, <laughs> You know, it was it was crazy. It's such a good thing. Uh, I, I love that one. Just you know, the, the significance of it. Uh, I love my hat trick at Barnet in the cup as well. When I think the keeper, when JT tried robbing it, the cheeky thing. Uh, uh, I love that one. Yeah, there's, there's a few. There's there's one where TK puts in a delightful ball. I think it's against Aki for my hat trick as well. I score on the cross on the run, and I just slide between two players. Um, I love scoring against Aki because for some reason their manager always had something against me, <laughs> uh, and I don't. I always scored against them, but I don't know. He he, he seems to dislike me for some reason. Um, yeah. One of my favourites, for what it's worth, was the the last minute winner at Bradford in the centenary season. The, um, I think Bradford had only just come down at the time, and obviously we were a massive club. And then there were some uh, serious celebrations in that way, and when that one went in, <laughs> yeah, well, it's always nice to you know. Because like, they they were a big club and they're still a big club, but you know the stature of them. You know they they always got twenty thousand fans. You know, and I think I actually scored from outside the box that game as well. Yeah. Bent it bot corner, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I I always scored against them as well. Funny enough, um, they were always sort of a good team for me to play. Then Barney Aki always you know sort of my talismanic teams to play against, I always seem to, to nick goals against them and, uh, and always seem to be at Valley Parade as well. Uh, yeah, it was, that was a great game. I, I actually, you know, 90th minute winner, 
can't, I can't get anything better than that, really. It was the um, it was the best player that you played with at Dale. That's oh, a good player. Probably career-wise, you're looking at Dorse, um, but obviously he didn't really play too much when when I was there. He sort of came in the season after, but you could see he was such a good attacker of the ball, and even in training, he'd try and like lift you and stuff like that. He was very intense in training, um, but you could see he was going to be a you know be a problem the way he attacks the ball. He was going to be a problem for anyone, uh, and obviously as soon as he got in and got a little bit more experience. He scored what ten, 10 the season after him when he went yeah, off. Double figures, like weren't it? Yeah, so you know, obviously, you could tell he was a really good player. Um, TK, I'd probably say Teeks. Teeks had a very cultured left foot um, and very calm as well. For for a fullback at, at the League Two level, he was probably give Illy a few kittens a few times with you know how calm he was. He loved a chop, loved a chop, then a chop, then a chop, but then play it and. Um, you know, he was a very classy footballer. And I think I think if you look at a lot of our squad, a lot of our squad when we played, um, they all went on to play to a higher level uh, and did and did well, do you know what I mean? So I was lucky to play with a lot of good players, uh, you know, coming through through the Dale. And, um, but I think for, for culture-wise and, you know, even on the eye, looking on the eye, TK, you know, left foot has always looked better and he just had a wand and he could... You know, he sort of put it where he wanted a lot of the time and, and set up a lot of my goals as well. So I'll, I'll give him that. Shout out to Runs as well. Runs was very good for me. He set up a shitload. He'd be fuming if I didn't When it came to leaving the club at the end of the 08-09 season to go to Rotherham, uh, it was the start of the season after, actually, I think. The rumour at the time was that it, it, you were sold to cover a tax bill. Uh, you spoke earlier as well about the fact that you felt that that like, success and promotion was always like a matter of time. How did you feel moving on from the club at that time and how, how much truth was there to that to that tax bill rumour? Um, to be fair, I'm not too sure about the tax bill. Um, at the time, we played Port Vale away and um, I was sub. Uh, and obviously, I, I, I finished leading scorer the season before um, and I just thought, I need to play. Like I've had two seasons where I want to play, I want to play every game. Like I need, I need that breakout season where I play every game, I start every minute and, you know, I do the rest, you know what I mean? And um, not, not to say I couldn't get back in the team, it was just that I just felt like Rotherham was saying to me, if you come here, you're going to play every game. And for me, that was like music to my ears. I could Obviously, I could stay and fight it and, you know, get in the team and, and do what I did for the past two years, but I felt the last two years had, had set me up to sort of play the next 46 games and, and earn my crack at being the main number nine and, and, and getting that, that chance to play every game. Um, and financially, for me, it was a really good move as well um, to, to go there. You know, as a 19-year-old, as a 20-year-old, I was doubling my money. Uh, Rotherham was signing me for like 150 grand. So, you know, it was, it was sort of a big thing for me. Um, obviously, I started in the lower league, so... I was, I was really excited about the challenge, and when I spoke to Mark Robbins as well, it, it, he said a lot of the right things. And for an ex-United striker talking to me, and I felt like he was the player who was uh, the, player, the manager who was really going to improve me and, and take me to that next level, and and you know unlock another part of my game. Um, and I thought he, he said everything right. You know the the, the scheme that they they're, they're going to do that. 
how they're going to run, how they're going to play. It suited the way I was going to play, uh, what I was going to bring to them, what they were going to bring to me, you know, the, what they had planned for the training ground, the stadium, you know, they sort of seduced me with the plans and stuff like that. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to have a great time, Rob. I'm going to get promoted. You know, they're going all out. Um, this is my chance to get out of, of League Two and, and really go for it. And obviously, unfortunately, we've got to be in the playoffs again. But, um, you know, that that's football for you. But it vindicated me on a personal side because, you know, I, played, I think I played every game that season and scored 30 goals. So, you know, obviously, um, personally, it went great. But team-wise, it didn't go great. I, I was actually, you know, buzzing because Rochdale went up as well because, you know, I left all the boys and, you know, I love like, I love the love the boys so and I love Dilly and Flicker so I was buzzing for them that they got promoted. It was just gutting for us because, you know, we were in the top three the whole season. So I was thinking, oh, we're nailed on it, both of us going up. And then we dropped to the playoffs and then we beat all the shot over two legs and then to losing the player final three two after obviously losing three two to Stockport, uh, you know, it was gut wrenching for me. Um, and obviously it was Sour taste on the season for me, really. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. It must have been strange watching sort of all your mates at Dale get promoted that season and, and Rotherham sort of falling short in that playoff final. It, once it had happened and, and Rotherham didn't come up as well, was there any sort of like bitterness or frustration that Dale had gone up or were you just happy to see your mates get, get that promotion? No, yeah, I was just happy for them. You know, like I said, they were like brothers, so, you know, I couldn't be more happy for them. I think I technically still after it, after it saying, well done and stuff like that. I think, to be fair, you were the best team that season. I think we played you on a, might have been a Tuesday night and we got bullied. I think Cog was unplayable. I think he destroyed us that night. Uh, obviously, we, we beat you at Don Valley, but that was, uh, when that was like the, the, the concert game. Yeah. When this, the pit was peppered, weren't it, and that yellow and green. Um, but when we played you at, at your place, in the, you know, the, the, the back end of the season, you battered us and, you know, we we couldn't find a win for love and the money towards the back end of the season, and then they, um, you know, probably didn't deserve to go up then. I was going to say, I know we asked about your favourite strike partner before, and we were a couple of a good injury. I was was pretty good, and Glenn Murray. I personally would have loved to have seen you with Cog for a full season. I think Dag has had a great season, scoring twenty almost twenty goals. I think you'd have comfortably got more than that. Um, were there any? And obviously it was a great move. Were there any regrets at all at the end of that season that you, you left when you did and the season went how it how it went? Um, not particularly being selfish, no. Um, you know, I scored 30 goals, so yeah. I could, I, I, personally I, I felt like I couldn't do much more than what I did. Do you know what I mean? As a, you know, if, if, if we can't get up with me scoring 30 goals, then you know we, we've had a bad season, really. <laughs> um, I'm sure everyone else would say that. Um, like I say, I was happy for the boys to go up. I thought, I thought you were the great, were the, probably the best team in the league at that time. And, um, there was no real regret from me for moving because you know after that season, um, I think it vindicated to me that you know I'm more than than good enough in this league. Uh, you know I'm ready sort of to to move up to the next league. I, I'm, I know I'm good enough to play higher. Like that sort of you know without. That massaged my ego personally. You know, I always have great self confidence in myself, but that probably give me even more. You know, I scored what I scored seventeen the first season, twenty the second, and then thirty after that. In three seasons, I've scored you know that many goals. I was like, you know, like I'm ready. Like you know, I'm more than good enough. 
if I do another season, I'm going to score another 30 goals. Like, that was sort of me, like, or 35, I want more. Like, that was sort of how I, I seen it. I thought, right, well, next season we're going up, I'm going to score 35 and we're going up. Um, it wasn't really like, oh, oh damn it, you went up and I didn't. Um, I trade it all. I, w- I wouldn't have done that, no. Definitely wouldn't have done that. I was I was happy for, for Rochdale and I was happy for myself, but you know, ultimately I, I didn't fulfil my job because we didn't get promoted, but um, you know, I was quite happy with the season I did have personally. You're one of uh, of several strikers from Dale to go on and play in the Premier League as well, uh, Adam. Do you think there's a little bit more hunger maybe for, for players that have played in the lower leagues to go on and make a name for themselves, if you like, in the top tier? And, and what was it like playing in the Premier League? Obviously, you, you even won uh, Player of the Month, I think, at one point, didn't you? Yeah, it, to be fair, I'm not sure if it's about desire or, or anything like that. I think, obviously, you look at you know there's some talented players in uh, the under-23s in a lot of the clubs. I think it's just opportunities, opportunities to play. Look at Bardi. Um, you know, he got his opportunity and, you know, he's not looked back, has he? Do you know what I mean? I got my opportunity to play higher um, and took it with both hands. You know, when, when I went to Reading, I worked as hard as I could and, and harder than probably anyone could have asked of me and, and thought of me. And, um, I reaped the rewards of that. I think it's just hard It's just hard work and getting the opportunities to play. Um, that was one of the reasons why, when I was a kid, I started at Stockport. I had numerous chances to go to to bigger clubs, but I felt for me the best way of breaking in is playing games and you know getting that experience early on in your career and um, and being seen playing man, men's football. And I think I think you look at that now and it's more uh, prevalent in the game now that young players are getting more chances now to play and you see how good you know some young players are in, in under twenty three games and at under twenty three teams. You know, look at uh, Billy Gilmore; no one's ever heard of him, and then he comes playing one game. He's you know he's an, he's an ex shabby. Do you know what I mean? So. You know, there's, there's great players out there. It's just getting the opportunities, and sometimes, you know, your opportunity is totally different to someone else. Someone might get released from United, go down to the bottom and work their way back up. Someone might go to United, come out of the 23s like Rashford, play, get because there's injuries, play, and you know, the stars born from there. It's just how you adapt to your situation and and how you work from that, and and you know accepting your role you know you could come out of like, let's say I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of players who've come out of you know a prem team and gone oh I'll walk into league one I'll walk into league two no worries I've been at United I've been at City for three years they go there and it's totally it's a culture shock it's totally different football um, and you soon see you know you're not getting your kit handed to you you're not getting lunch at a cafeteria made by the chef you're getting a baguette from you know some geezer who's just turned up with 20 of them said here's your tuna melt or whatever or whatever you've ordered like do you know what I mean it's it's not like you just have to see it for what it is and accept that situation and and adapt to your surroundings and adapt to the football you're you're playing uh, and obviously as a player when I was younger I always thought I was more suited to play higher but I knew I had to cut my teeth in the lower divisions because I knew that was the way I was going to get higher um, I always knew I was going to score goals it was just me you know, getting myself in their positions and being strong enough to withstand people booting me up the pitch because I knew that's what football was at in 06, 05, 06, 07. It was, you know, it was brutal really in the lower divisions because, you know, it was a bit more unsophisticated. People were, you know, a bit more um, aggressive, let's say, um, defensively, um, especially with young players. You know, I, I used to get kicked, kicked to shreds in, in training 
when I was at Stockport when I was 16, 17 and I was training with the first team, the, the pros would definitely, you know, let me know I'm there um, all the time. And I think that helped me. That helped me when I was, was playing. Uh, I never once, you know, go to the gaffer going, could you tell the lads to ease off me? I just think, well, it's like, they obviously think I'm decent because they're booting me. So, like, just being sidetracked up by that, uh, I think, like, players, you just have to adapt to your circumstance and individual circumstance and overcome your situation. And I think that, that for me, was I wasn't really overcoming a situation. I was just, I'd set my plan early in my career, what I was going to do as a player. And um, I sort of stuck to that and, you know, believed in myself wholeheartedly. And it sort of worked out for me, really. And, you know, I, I wouldn't change anything I've done in my career. Um, for anything, I wouldn't change the path. I went. I wouldn't go to a prem team at, at seventeen and, and go in a under twenty threes team for for four years. I, I wouldn't want to do that. That that wasn't for me. My mindset. I always wanted to play as a as a kid, and I've, I'm still the same now. I've always wanted to play. I always want to play every minute. Has that played any part in your move over to to Australia and, and obviously subsequently India now as well? Was it a case of wanting to play games or, or experiencing a different culture? Uh, Remy asked how, how a lad from Offerton has ended up in Mumbai. <laughs> Not in Mumbai yet, to be fair. I'm in Goa at the minute because we're in a bubble. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of both, really. I did I did want to taste different cultures and different style of football. I always see myself playing abroad. Uh, you know, when I first thought about moving to Australia, it was sort of I was torn between Australia and the MLS onto where to move to. And um, for me, I had two successful seasons at, at, at Bolton but the, the second season when we stayed up on the last day um, you know the first six months of that season was hell for me um, I spent six months on the bench and for me that was that was no good I was in a I just got really sick of English football it became really stale um, and then the January came around I was looking to leave um, and then they sold Medine obviously Gal played with guys at Rochdale as well um, obviously they sold Medine and and then I was sort of oh I was like hold on I'm going to be first choice striker here maybe and then it was sort of like a tussle if I was going to play first choice and then I got in the team for the you know the last two months three months and obviously we stayed up and then I had a really good pre-season and thought you know what this season's going to be different like I'm going to play I've scored goals I've proven last season if you play me I'm going to score like the proofs in the pudding sort of thing, and um, we played away at West Brom and won one nil. And then I, I didn't play; I was on the bench. We played four five one, and I knew, you know, going away from home against the next Prem team, I knew the tactics was, you know, let's be let's be compact and see what we can nick. And you know, we had a great result. And then we played at home at, against Bristol City, and I just thought, I've got to play surely. Like, you know, we've got to be on the front foot against them. And I was on the bench, and um, and then after that, it was like. Australia had always been in the background and, and Sydney were like, yeah, we want you, we're desperate for you. And I just, I went in, I think it was the, the Monday, and I just went to the gaffer, I walked in his office and I went, look, I want the contract tearing up. Um, I've got an offer from Australia, I want to go. And he was like, oh, you're playing tomorrow night in the cup against Leeds. And I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm going to Australia. Um, I want to go to Australia, they want me to fly out there. Um, and he was like, okay, you've been brilliant for me. Um, and I thanked him for that. Like I thanked him for being, to be fair, he was really courteous and just said, you know, um, I won't hold you against you, Will. You've been great for me. You've served the club brilliantly. And um, they sort of released me on that day. 
and then they played the cup game Wednesday night I was on a plane to Australia and, and that was that really uh, you know they promised me I was going to play every game and I think I went to Australia and played every game I missed one game in the Champs League after we won the grand final because we won the grand final on the Sunday and we had a Champs League game on the Tuesday so obviously every, all the players were a bit worse aware so I didn't play in that game and I think I missed maybe 10 minutes for the whole of that season. So for me, it felt felt like, yeah, I'm enjoying my football again. I love football, love the enthusiasm for it uh, and really found my, my spark again. And the same again for the season after, you know, I was fully set on what I was going to do there. And just unfortunate, COVID came around and it really, you know, altered my plans really and, and altered, you know, football in general all over the world, not just Australia. It changed the landscape all over the world for football and, um, that set about the change of me obviously moving to to India really. What's the standards like in comparison to kind of the UK leagues? The, the A League, to be fair, I, I was quite happy with Sydney's squad. We were we were a good squad. We were. I was surprised how you know obviously good the core players were. You know, I, I thought we would probably be top end League One around you know bottom end of the Championship. There's probably two or three teams who were similar. And then, you know, the other teams sort of stagger through League One and League Two after that. Um, to be fair, the, the Indian team, I've not re- we've not really, you know, played a competitive match yet, so I can't really assess you know, the, the sort of comparison. It's different in a, in a training game, it's totally different to, you know, a competitive game and, and how you work things out from there. But, you know, we, here we've, we've got some great foreign players and some good young Indian players as well. So, and, and one thing I'm really excited about is how, you know how organised it is. I had, you know, I've heard things about how unorganised things can be, and and other teams and how situations have been for other people in India. But I was, you know, one of the things and reasons I joined, you know, Mumbai City is because it's part of the CFG uh, group. So, you know, obviously they do everything right and everything's done to the, you know, the nth degree. And you know, they've got a coach here who, who wants to play good football, um, and I'm I'm really excited to be part of that as well. On the move to Australia and, and India. Um, how different is it dealing with the pandemic over there, potentially like compared to over here? Are the same sort of restrictions in place? Um, in Australia, we shut the season down for three months and then restarted back up without fans for like six games. And then the the, five, the semi-finals and the finals, we were allowed a third of the capacity in. So... Obviously, Australia have handled it a little bit differently to England, uh, as you can imagine. They took it a little bit more serious with, serious with their lockdown measures and, um, and finance system and track and trace and all that sort of stuff. They were really vigilant with it uh, and obviously reaping the rewards because they got fans into the stadiums a lot sooner than what they thought they were going to get them. Um, and obviously... Even now, I think they can have still a third and, and they're moving on. And then I think in the new year, they can get full crowds back, uh, providing you know, the, the, the COVID stuff is still you know, on the lower side of things, which it is there. Is the, the infection rates next to nothing there? I think they're maybe three weeks without a case or something like that. Um, and then India, obviously, I went into quarantine here for two weeks when I came. Um, it's obviously, still rife in India. Um, but, you know, the league have done a great thing um, the ISL have been, you know, fantastic. They've they've worked out where every team's in Goa, and we're all in our in our own bubble in uh, in Goa. In you know, we've got our own section of, of a part of a hotel, and we have regular COVID tests. Um, you know, obviously all the 
um, hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer um, and etc etc we've got all that stuff to have to you know around in our rooms to take with us you know everyone's vigilant with the you know the, the safety of that the masks and that sort of stuff so um you know obviously there's a lot of measures put in place here for us to get the season going um and you know hopefully it's going to be a great season for the fans but you know, obviously they're gonna to have to watch on the telly rather than, than in the stadium for this season anyway Alfie, obviously you're a big uh, football manager fan. Uh, a few, a few of our fans were wondering if that's something you were maybe considering going into after your playing career. Hopefully, that's a few more years down the line yet. But do you have any plans to go into coaching or management afterwards? I, I definitely see myself in football for sure. Uh, I like to see myself as a maybe an under twenty threes coach, uh, under twenty threes manager. Uh, I definitely see myself developing young players rather than. First team football, I think there's no stability in being a manager. You're in a job for six months, 12 months, and then you're gone. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I think uh, I'd much rather you know, work with younger players, definitely like a one on one striker coach or something like that, um, you know, to, to develop young strikers um, or de- develop young players. I'm not going to pigeonhole myself into something, but I'd like to, to think I've got a lot to give to, to young players. And um, I think that's sort of my. Not my duty. Any any senior footballer um, duty to the game is to give something back, and you know if they think they've got enough knowledge and experience to help people, then, then why shouldn't they impart that on players um, if they're willing to learn, of course. Um, and and definitely, I think I've I've got enough knowledge about me to about the game to to impart knowledge and, and give my experience as a player what I I felt worked well for me and maybe would work well for you or what things I've seen of other players work well for them that might work for a different type of striker or a different type of player. Uh, I think I've got enough experience and know-how of, of football to, to really help people and I think that's where my future lies with, with football. We play for the um, for the Rochelle supporters team, Alfie, so if you, ever, if you ever fancy coming back and running a session or two, then feel free. <laughs> or playing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or playing, yeah. <laughs> I've still got a few years yet, I think, before I start all that. Going back to what Dean's just mentioned there about you playing football manager, did you agree with your stats while you were at Rochdale? And if you didn't, can I apologise in advance? <laughs> a bit low. I always remember I was always a bit low. <laughs> oh, I never wondered why I was, why was that. Why was I never a player to buy for one of the young for the bottom leagues? It's only twenty goals a season. <laughs> Take it up with chaff, I'm afraid, mate. <laughs> like I said, I apologise. <laughs> no, it's fine. To be fair, they made it up to me when I was at Reading. They, they made me like one of the best strikers to buy on it when I was in the champ. That's evened itself out then. Yeah, definitely. It was a good two or three years where I'd always sign myself. If I wanted to get out of the champ, I'd always sign myself. You know, <laughs> with that. Alfie, one last question, uh, and then if you've got time, we'll play our, our game that we usually play at the end of every episode. Uh, has there ever been uh, a chance for you to come back to Dale? Have the club ever sort of approached you for for a return at any point? No, no, there's never really been any sort of talks like that. Not that I even think of, no. Not really. I don't think we've really sort of crossed paths in that sort of way where, where I've, I've been looking to come back. Um, I think when news were in, in League One, I think I was at Wolves at the time, or, or moved to Wigan, and then I went to then I went to Bolton, uh, and we got promoted from there. So that that was probably the only 
time I've sort of crossed it. Um, obviously, at the end of this season in Australia, when I left Australia, I was coming and ahhing what to do, um, you know, career-wise, do I come back to England um, or do I stay abroad? Um, and ultimately, I just felt like it, it wasn't the right time for me to come back to, to England. Um, you know, the landscape in England's changed dramatically um, for any player, um, especially in the lower league. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to come back to England. Well, if you are, mate, you know, you know where to come. <laughs> <laughs> so we usually finish with a with a game from a from a previous Rochdale match. We usually try and name the lineup. So what we thought we'd do is we thought we'd see if you could name uh, the 14 players that played for Dale in your debut that 5-0 win against MK Dons that we mentioned before. So, Alfie, I'll, I'll hand over to you, see how many you can mention out of the 14. Right. Guilty. Yep. Rammers. Yep. Did John Boardman centre-half? No, John Doolan. Yeah, he sent him in. I know Doolan was sent him in. Yep. Burke's played. Yep. Um, Jonah played. Yep. Ruben Reed was on loan. Yep. Elvin Atua was on loan. Yeah. Good all. Yeah. How many have we got left? So we've got, I think we've got two centre halves. Thano. Yeah. Mercado. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got two wingers and another forward. Prendergast. Yeah. Muzza. Yeah. And, and a winger. One, one more winger, yeah. You have mentioned him actually earlier. No red. No. Yeah, there we go. Great effort, mate. Definitely better than better than these three usually manage, anyways. <laughs> I, f- I thought Boardman was there, but he must have just left them because he was there at the start of alone. But he must have moved not long after it, or he, he was injured. Yeah, he went playing against him at Dagenham as well. I think most of us have tried to forget uh, John Boardman's spell. If we're honest with you, mate. <laughs> So, Adam, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's been been great to chat, uh, and good luck for the season with with Mumbai City. Cheers, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks Cheers, Alfie. Thank you very much, Cheers, mate. Uh, so, as always, Ryan, thank you for joining me. No, nice one. Loved it again. And Luke, thanks as always, mate. Cheers, lads. And Chaff, need to sort those FM ratings out, mate. But cheers once again. Oh, thank you very much and thank you to Alfie as well because it's a lot later over there than it is over here so yeah it was good I enjoyed that yeah big thank you to, to Alfie for joining us and, and big thank you to everyone who's listened to the last few episodes and give us positive feedback uh, it's great to hear so thanks as always up the Dale You advertise your beer like that on purpose, or do you just line it up? Is that your beer spot in the background? Yes, but it's easy access.